0: Last week on Ghost Hampton, after taking on the sergeant who torments her with inflated ghost condoms, Georgie calls boyfriend Frank to vent, but he has disturbing news. Lyle has gone off in a strange van. The Fearcom team meets at the Montauk Motel. Flo treats Lyle to lunch at Fancy Gurney's and grills him about his experience inside Old Vic.
1: Place is over a hundred years old. Nothing inside but graffiti, garbage, and rat shit.
2: Flo squints at Lyle, not what she wants to hear.
1: There was something
0: else. Something started itching, then burning under my skin. Something wanted a taste of you. It made your skin crawl.
2: There was a lot more to it. Some infernal voice gushing out from deep within Lyle, cursing Father Mateo to hell, for instance. But Lyle holds that back.
0: Why was the priest with you? I read people believe he's an exorcist. He brought you out of your seizure.
2: Lyle squirms a bit, recalling last night, Matteo Sherry, and the strange aura about him. He swigs some white wine.
1: He's interested in the occult. I thought he could help me understand.
0: Understand what? An old haunted house, a ghost girl? He's only a priest, no?
1: Mateo was into mysticism. He's from Malta, and um, it's pretty mystical there.
0: Oh, people walk around there dressed as sorcerers?
1: I don't know about this stuff, Lo. But he is more attuned to the other world than I am.
0: At least you admit there is another world. One world is enough.
2: A busboy places a fragrant basket of warm bread on the table.
0: But there was no ghost girl last night. What was there, Lyle. You are blocking something. That's unhealthy.
2: Lyle is too uncomfortable to reveal his demonic outburst with the disgusting curses. And he can never tell Flo about Georgie's name appearing on a tombstone.
0: The subcutaneous invasion under your skin may have been a demonic power seeking entry. I'm guessing Father Mateo was instrumental in uh, exercising that.
2: Lyle winces at the thought of a demon entering him and needing exorcism. He quaffs some more wine.
0: But there's another factor at work on you. Something deeper that you're hiding. What's going on with your daughter?
2: Lyle has a sudden emotional outburst.
0: Nothing, Flo.
1: Nothing's going on with Georgie.
0: Oh, you just proved me right. Look, you don't want deep-seated things like this to be aired for the first time on television... You could have a breakdown, an emotional overload on camera.
1: I suppose you'd like that.
0: Silk would. The audience would. The production company, the network.
1: Well, Georgie is and will remain off-limits, okay? Okay. She's not mentioned in your damned contract.
0: That's your damned contract too, Lyle. And you may note the language along the lines of, quote, relevant circumstances that may arise, end quote,
1: My daughter is not a relevant circumstance.
0: I'm merely reminding you that you are now astride two worlds, the paranormal and televised entertainment. That's kind of a lot.
2: Now their lunch orders arrive. Flo's chowder and Lyle's two appetizers, raw oysters and fried calamari. She's astounded that all that seafood will be followed by a main course, the stuffed sole. But Lyle hasn't eaten a real meal for a couple of days. He forgets his woes for now, and maybe that's a good thing. He's obviously in his glory here. Part of that glory, Flo notes, is fueled by white wine. When Lyle's main course arrives, along comes a second glass of wine. Be careful with that.
0: Television audiences can tell.
1: What television audience, for God's sake?
0: We'll know soon. Fox or Entertainment Tonight. The boss is negotiating the best deal. For Silk? For us all, Lyle. We're a team. Don't forget.
1: And the boss is who? Chatsworth Osborne?
0: Oh, Lyle, please. The company head is Chilton Gregg. Who
2: I'm
1: sure is jonesing in a big way for the star.
0: Oh, Mr. Gregg is a married man with young children. So?
2: Lyle is nearly done with his stuffed soul, and Flo decides it's time. She gestures to the maitre d'. He comes to the table, but has no check. This meal was on the house, to welcome back a loyal customer and to celebrate his new weird celebrity. All he wants are photos of Lyle in his gurney's leisure way. The waiter takes cell phone photos, and Lyle lavishly tips him and the maitre d' with many twenties. Flo calls Chad to come pick them up. She's glad to get out of gurneys, but also glad she had valuable time with the interview subject, and for free at that. Chad had returned to the Memory Motel to work under the lash of a nervous Josh, the director. Now he's transporting Flo and a chipper Lyle on the ride back. Their first video shoot is very soon, and Flo is fending off where-the-fuck-are-you texts from Silk. At the same time, the strange sense that she actually might like Lyle Hall personally grows within her, and she quashes it. Flo also senses that Lyle is in too good a mood for the subject matter they're about to cover.
0: Lyle, I know what you were going through when our van passed the monument in Bridgehampton.
1: I'm glad somebody does.
0: I'm serious. You were re-experiencing your accident there. The collision, Elsie's death, your own near death.
2: Isle stares out at the passing scenery.
0: What I saw and felt through you was horrifying. Yeah.
2: My therapist
1: told me not to go there. And you, you know everything?
0: Pretty much when I'm on a case.
2: It dawns on Lyle that he's considered a case. Flo leans in and lowers her voice.
0: I mean it. You could have died back there earlier. You stopped breathing. Our next step was to take you to the ER.
1: The ER is far enough away that I would have stopped breathing for good before we got there. So, whatever you did, I appreciate it.
0: You know, Lyle, I felt like I was there too when we passed the monument. Tell me. Did you experience Elsie's death from her perspective?
1: I... I did. That's never happened before. It was so disturbing.
0: Like dying all over again. But as an old lady. Lyle, on television, it's older woman, not old lady. You
1: saw the crash?
0: I did. I saw Elsie's car blunder into your lane as you were barreling out of town... You honked, but she reacted too slowly. You swerved to the right at the last second, but the monument was there. So you hit both Elsie's car and the monument. Hard.
2: Lyle is back to staring out the window at the scenery. The shining Atlantic and lots of dunes rush past.
1: First responders only had one jaws of life. They tried hard to free Elsie from the wreckage. Elsie was the mother of one of the rescue guys. I think I saw the last thing Elsie saw. Her son Jimmy looking in the car window at her as she died.
0: Oh my.
1: Jimmy Crock. Elsie's car was a big old Ford, purchased by his dad when he was a kid. He learned to drive that car.
2: Lyle looks at Flo. They have an unusual bonding moment the recovering philanderer and the clairvoyant school mom.
1: Elsie's son responded to the scene from his own 50th birthday party. He was. Unaware the accident involved his 80-year-old mother until he arrived, her car was on its side. Looking in the driver's window, Jimmy could see Elsie baked him a cake, like she used to when he was a kid. It was smashed into the passenger side door. Elsie was suspended by her seatbelt, which was constricting her airways, helpless until they could cut open the door.
2: Flo thinks she herself may be having some kind of emotional breakdown.
0: Lyle, you don't have to go on with this. Much later,
1: I learned they all thought I was dead at the scene. And drunk. A dead drunk. Were you? Absolutely not. I was on my way to Montauk to get drunk. Huge difference.
2: The van rolls on. If Flo has learned one thing, it's that there is more to this story, and to this guy Lyle Hall, than anyone suspects. Chad slows the Fearcom van and rolls into the memory motel parking area. From his seat, Lyle gazes into the bar, known as the taproom. Its door is propped open with some lighting equipment. Inside, the place is buzzing with activity. There are more people on hand, a lighting guy, a sound tech. And then there are pissed-off people, Lyle can tell. There's a pissed-off director, Josh. The pissed-off star, Silk, glances out briefly at the van, then disappears. It's been hard work getting ready for this live broadcast and the interview subject has been missing for almost two hours. Even the bartender is pissed. Planted in front of his bar, confrontational, hands on his hips. Lyle dimly recalls him from friskier times. Big old school Irish guy. Dirty white apron draped around a wide midsection. White shirt, sleeves rolled up. Suspicious scowl. His name... Oh jeez, Rooney. Chad enters the taproom first, with Flo escorting Lyle behind him. Controlled chaos; everything and everyone is in motion. New people, all young strangers, are busy getting cameras, lights, and computer equipment just right. There's a makeup woman working at a lighted vanity, but as the three approach, Rooney stands his ground and folds his arms belligerently.
0: Chad. Give the bartender $100 from petty cash. Now!
2: Chad awkwardly tries to. Rooney sneers at the 20s, suspicious he's being bought. He does not accept the cash. Mr. Rooney! Rooney squints in Lyle's direction, Chad's fistful of dollars hanging in air. Then his big old face lights up. Mr. Hall, what a surprise! Haven't seen you in a dog's age. Lyle, the generous tipper, breaks away from Flo his hand extended. Rooney takes it and grasps Lyle's upper arm with his free hand for a hearty shake. So tell me, what brings you to the dark in my door?
1: TV, Mr. Rooney. Looks like we're going to make the Memory Motel famous. Famous again, you mean? <laughs> of course. Who can forget the Rolling Stones?
2: Who gets a Rolling Stone song named after their establishment? Decades melt away in reminiscence. However, Lyle knows there are some things he did in the spa and its motel that he wants to forget. He and Rooney aren't going there.
1: Only you. Only you. So, Mr. Rooney, you know how very pleased we are to be able to shoot television here at your spot.
0: I know they're screwing at my happy hour, which commences shortly.
1: Ah, a Montauk tradition as I recall. Tell me, would the drinks still be half price?
0: They would, Mr. Hall.
1: And this time of year, would your crowd be quite less than in the summer?
0: They would, but you don't take away a man's livelihood this time of year either, do you? What would all this fear come and whatnot?
2: Squeezing his chin, Lyle acts like he's devising a plan he's already concocted. Flo and Chad face the two men and focus squarely on their conversation.
1: What do you say to this, Mr. Rooney? Say you figure how much you stand to lose during this happy hour and the TV people here pay you that up front. In cash,
2: Rooney softens visibly. Well, that could make a difference.
1: You don't have to work. Maybe stand at the bar and get famous. We'll wrap up. You let your expecting
2: crowd in. Rooney makes an approving grunt.
1: Uh. And our man Chad here has something to get you
2: started. Don't you, Chad? Now Rooney accepts the cash and turns to Lyle. How about your
0: usual scotch, Mr. Hall? First one's on the house.
2: Maybe
1: later, Mr. Rooney. Maybe later.
0: Ah, uh, thank you, Mister Rooney. If you like, stand behind the bar and dry glasses or something.
2: Rooney, comfortable for now, heads to his bar, and Flo confronts Lyle.
0: You think you can spend Fearcom budget now, Lyle?
1: I think I can save your production's ass. You don't want Mister Rooney pissed off while shooting.
2: This is his bar. Josh intrudes, totally ignoring Lyle's bartender diplomacy. Okay, people. Let's get Mr. Last Minute here seated before the camera. Now or never. So where's the wheelchair flow?
0: It's in his driver's van.
2: It's supposed to be on set. Chad, get him a chair. I still have photos of him in the wheelchair. Chad leads Lyle to a seat before the cameras. He sits. The lights are really blinding at first. Then he realizes the makeup woman is working on silk. There's a white paper doily around her neck, sprinkled with makeup. Holding her head still, she's more beautiful, more exotic than ever. And ignoring Lyle makes her even more desirable.
0: Flo, what the hell? I was prepping him for the shoot. Really? How prepped is he? He needed attention. He's ready.
2: Silk exhales slowly. Namaste. A sound tech affixes Lyle's mic. All these people talk about him in the third person, like he's meat.
1: What TV program is this anyway?
0: Entertainment Tonight.
2: This is the featured segment. Lyle peeks at a computer monitor and sees himself. One of the awful pictures of him Josh took earlier. Lyle appears distraught and haunted, gazing off at who knows what. In the background behind him stands a chilling rendition of Old Vic. Scary lighting added. Above the house is title lettering in creepy yellow. Ghost Hampton. The roof's cupola pokes through the title. The image makes Lyle queasy. He's been productized. Not what he needs right now. Plus, those heavy emotions he shared with Flo on the ride back weigh on his psyche. Now, Silk, the reason he agreed to do all this stuff, seats herself to his left, makeup woman in tow, and gets her mic. With her own lush stage lighting, she looks gorgeous, dark, mysterious, smart. Seen on a nearby video monitor, Josh is making her even more gorgeous. Josh's camera rotates toward Lyle, and he steals himself. His live image pops up on the monitor. Lyle gets none of Josh's gauzy visual treatment. Pale and worried, he looks even worse than usual. Flo appears, now wearing a black sweater, and seats herself on camera to Lyle's right. She gets her own mic.
0: Flo, he's wearing pink. What the fuck? Just go with it, Josh. It's good television.
2: There's a company logo, flow. Blur out the logo, Josh. Silk's chair is on an angle facing Lyle. The makeup woman removes the white doily, and he now gets a good look at her. Besides the lighting and everything, there's her outfit. A black leatherette motorcycle-style jacket, its central zipper pulled down just enough to be provocative. Just inside the zipper's open V, is the hint of some frilly black undergarment. Silk is playing to her young base and to Lyle Hall. She leans towards him, hands cupped, elbows on her leatherette knees.
0: Shall we, Lyle?